0: This week, I make a shameless plug for my kids' table-making business, Jared gets sideways with Jesus, and we talk about how critical thinking is actually quite simple.
1: I'm Jared Nichols. I'm Paul Toulon. And this is the best pandemic ever.
0: Paul, we are live-ish. All right.
1: We're live that's for our how own we have conversation. To do it from that's now on. every
0: time we're just gonna start off this yeah. way here. Yeah. Now I know. <laughs> now I can stop because we do a lot of talking prior to when we're actually doing the talking. We do. And I don't remember what I said or didn't say, so it's a good starting point to say, okay, now I'm recording this. That yeah. matters.
1: Yeah, that's to make sure you can yeah. put that filter on to keep us all safe, you know, and and uh, yeah, that, that that's that's for sure. So to make sure that, that our show doesn't get banned by Apple because I'm sure they will be listening to our show. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's a 4 conclusion that'll be banned. So how's your week going so far? So, I, mean, I think this is the first time i talked to you this week.
1: Yeah, that's a genuine question. Um, what I'm saying that is for anybody listening to this who thinks that we may have already had this conversation. We have not. It's uh, It's been good. No, no, no. Yeah, it's been a good one. Um, no complaints. We're right now, so if if, uh, if you hear noise in the background, it's because we've got contractors coming in and out, getting uh, a leak fixed and a bathroom redone, so that's nice. Best pandemic ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the week's been good. It's been fairly productive for the most part. Know, that's a really boring answer. How about you, man? How's your week been?
0: No, I mean that's that's kind of the point, right? I mean, when we when you when you call a show the best pandemic ever, you really ought to be able to reflect on a week that's been like, yeah, man, it's been pretty awesome, you know? Yeah. Um, the absence, uh, you know, the absence of monotony is also probably a pretty awesome aspect of, of of any week, you know, because it could certainly have gone the other way under other circumstances. Yeah, yeah same here. You know, I, I think, I don't know if I have ever talked about it on here or not. I know you and I have talked about it quite a bit, um, but my, my oldest, who's 16, um, was going to get a job this summer because of the pandemic. He couldn't, and as a result, has essentially started his own live edge table business in our garage. What? Um, he's just finishing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Hold on, did yeah, this start so from when we you guys
1: t- started creating that? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So we created that table, right? We, 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 we made a coffee table for the back, for the back patio and uh, it was a live edge table made out of a piece of cedar. It just came out beautiful and he helped me with it a lot. And he was like, man, he's like, you know, do you think I could sell one of these? And I said, yeah, I'm sure you could if you want to do the work. And so slowly over, you know, the last month or so he's, he's built up all the skills. I mean, at first I was really nervous with him using a router and all these other widow making power tools. Um, but, uh, but now he's completely independent. He's taking slabs of wood. He's leveling them. He's, you know, finishing them, uh, building different kinds of legs for him. I mean, he's, so he's basically started his own little business. He's got, he sold one for 250 bucks on Facebook marketplace and he's got another one lined up. That's going to be that he's going to sell for 400 bucks. He's already got a buyer for that. It's like a high top table, like bar height. So yeah, you want to talk about the best pandemic ever. That kid could have just been working some routine, you know, Chick-fil-A, McDonald's gig for the summer, and instead he's learning skills, he's learning a trade, he's learning about business, and to his credit, he has, you know, he has basically, uh, you know, I've gone in on a couple of occasions and said, okay, I'm going to get those materials, I'll get that for you, and he's like, no, no, he's like, I want to, he's like, I'll pay for it with what I made on the other table, so he says, so I can have a sense of, you know, what it costs, and so it's not even like he's... I mean, he's, yeah, he's applying the entire business principles. So, yeah, so there you go. Best pandemic ever. Man. Kid. Note, kids learning a skill, learning a well, trade.
1: You know, that's impressive because uh, that's how this whole show idea got started. Well, that's how the whole best pandemic ever got started is when I called you that day. And we talked about this a couple times in the show and said, you know, how are things going? And then you made that statement. This is the best pandemic ever. And you proceeded to tell me the story about you guys building a table. So that is really cool. That, yeah. So the genesis of that is you guys built a table together, and now he thought, "Hey, that, that." And I can attest; I have seen this table. I've seen the one that you guys built. That is a nice looking table. It's the one that's on your patio. You said right? Yes. Yeah yeah yeah, right. yeah. 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 We I had lunch it. on yeah. that table. Gorgeous. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So yep. that, that's a really cool Chicken thing. Salad <laughs> the, oh man, that was so good. Yeah. It
0: was awesome. So anyway, so yeah. so that's that's been a a, a feature of. Uh, of this week. And then, uh, and then my youngest just finished up a, uh, his second book in a series. Um, so he's, he's consuming, yeah. you know, summer break, still consuming a bunch of books. Um, so yeah, we, we, have, we had a good week. I'm trying to think we did something else. I think we went somewhere or God, what's today. Oh, okay. Oh, Oh, cause we had Monday off. So we did something no, I don't know. Something great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but it was it was something great. I think we spent a lot of time in the pool, too. Oh, nice. You know, the, in our little redneck Riviera. Oh, I like love that. Our above-ground pool. So that's where uh, my,
1: my kids have gone over to my my uh, my mom and dad's, and they have one of those, too, those above-ground pools. There was something funny I saw before that said uh, – you know, you can almost, you classify, like the class divide can be summed up in whether or not you have an above-ground pool or, or a below-ground pool. As a comedian, I think he said, we're an above-ground pool kind of family. <laughs> I thought that was great. Oh, yeah, yeah, You're yeah. You're seeing yeah, those yeah. things pop up. Jim Gaffigan every... does a great thing about us.
0: Oh, maybe that was him that... Oh, yeah, well, because... Yeah. Yeah, he did a great bit about above-ground pools. But also, you know, back in the day, uh, my friend, I think I've mentioned him to you, the guy that I go out and I see in Washington every year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, told you a little bit about how that kind of evolved um but uh back in the day they had two two in the history in the history they had two they put both of them up themselves but it used to be that above ground pools the reason they were so great is because you could do it yourself yeah. you can put those things up yourself now most people get them put up now um which is i think a either an indictment or a testament to you know how things have either progressed or devolved it just depends on how you look at it that we don't do those kind of things anymore right now there's uh, you know we have the wherewithal for other people to do them and people have made a business out of that and, okay that's fine but it used to be that that's why you got it above ground pool cuz you could do it yourself you know um, i don't think that's that that common uh, but you know i will have you know we had someone put it up
1: that my wife and i put yeah. this one up at my mom and dad's place and it's 18 by 48 foot, right so we put this thing yeah. up. Now the difference is I've seen yours and yours actually has the hard siding.
0: Right? Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, so theirs yeah. isn't. There's this one that so a lot of them I think too it's if you're going to get one that's meant to stay like yours cuz yours is big and you're going to put in the hard siding. But this but these other ones you can pop them up and take them down. You really it's the liner is what lines through. It's not that hard to do. It's a little cumbersome at times, but
0: uh, nonetheless, we did it. Well, with your kids' age, you know, when our kids were your kids' age, we used to have the old fuel blivet in a you know in a bag, right? I mean, it was like a, it was like a pool modeled after how a fuel blivet works. Like in the army, to to uh, make fuel transportable and portable, they have these big giant fuel blivets. They're just these really so, thick rubber.
1: Yeah, it's gonna say explain what a fuel, fuel blivet
0: bags is. Yeah. So it's just a big giant rubber bag that holds gasoline of different kinds. They can drop it anywhere, and then they can fill it, and they can set up what they call a FARP, a forward aerial refueling, and uh, what's the P for rearming and petroleum, something I don't know. But basically, it's a it's a it's a little um, temporary base so they can extend the range of aviation. That's kind of what they do it for. But on big bases, they have these just huge fuel blivets. Anyway. Um, if you're on a small fire base they're great for lying on and, and getting a tan. But if, you know, you have them in your backyard, I mean essentially that those the, the model that they came out with which was an inflatable ring mm-hmm. that you just fill up with water and that inflatable ring picks up the side. We had that when the kids were, you know, when the kids the kids were younger. And th- those things are pretty big for little kids. I mean yeah. they are not a bad option. They're cheap. You get them at Walmart. The only thing you do there is you fill it you fill that tube with air and you fill and then you put the hose in. That's yeah. It, yeah. you know? And they even have a they even have a little bit of a filtration system, too. No, that's um, that's what... So, yeah. But, we, yeah, we we had to move on from that.
1: It's so funny. I'm i am looking at... Uh, so we used to have one of those 10-foot-above-ground pools at our old place, and the kids loved it. You know, my, yep. my boys are 9 and 6 now. So th- this is, you know, when my youngest was 3, and, I mean, man, we just had a blast. The funny thing is, uh, you know, this comes to mind because I'm looking at the, the house back here, and this is relevant to the pandemic because what I'm seeing is all around... Because a lot of the community pools, like our neighborhood pool, they're letting us come there, but they're minimizing it to 25 people at a time, and you cannot bring outside guests. So, But there's still a lot of people who are thinking, no, I'm not even going to risk it. So you're seeing a lot of these... Above ground pools pop up in the neighborhood, which is totally in violation of the HOA codes, but nobody cares anymore. It's oh, sure. like, oh yeah, yeah. They're, it, I'm sure they're just waiting. Like, I dare you, HOA. Really? Why don't you come on in here with my with a mask and tell me I can't go to the? <laughs> it's just like, you know, yeah. there's just a lot of tension. I think in that regard. So people are like, look, I'm not going to go uh, risk it, you know, by going to the community pool. So they're popping these ones up. And at this one, this house back behind us in a different neighborhood, they've got the exact 10 foot pool we used to have. And man, memories came flooding back. Oh, really? And here's the thing that's so funny about the 10-foot pool is that when we had ours, that thing was like a bonsai tree for me. I was out there cleaning it every day. I'd get down there. I can't tell me how many holes I got underwater and patched with that underwater glue. Just did it. I was like, it was a meditative practice yep. for me. Really loved it. Is it is
0: very zen. Very. You know, I spend more time in the pool than anybody in the family and it's always because I'm vacuuming and skimming. But I don't mind yes. It's not like a chore. No, it's, it's fun. Yeah, it's almost like therapeutic. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm not so the only that's one. So interesting. <laughs> So so you talk about the HOA, right, and the, you know, and the, uh, you know, kind of thumbing their thumbing your nose at, at rules established, you know, established by a community. Yeah. You know, it depends who you ask. Good thing, bad thing. I mean, what do you think? Well, you know, I mean, I think, I
1: think that right now there just needs to be a lot of grace all the way around. I mean, you know, if it's just a -hmm. a pool, a lot of the stuff, HOAs for the most part are a real pain in the ass. They just always are. You know, they come around nitpicking like, oh, your fence is a quarter inch off of where it needs to be, yada, 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 here's a fine. And they have way too much power over your mortgage and everything, which is completely insane. Mm -hmm. So I think for right now, and and I haven't heard anybody, I haven't heard anybody talk about the HOA coming around and complaining. I think the HOA has kind of thought, you know, we're going to back off this one. People need to be able to relax and enjoy their pools uh, we're not, you know. I think we're living in difficult or strange times. I don't think they're expecting the same conventional rules to be applied. So, yeah, I mean, uh, that's. I think that's, you know, that's my opinion on it in its current condition. Uh, if you want my opinion about HOAs, I'll do that one off the line since, uh, you know, maybe no. one of our, maybe Did they'll listen because I live in one. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk. You know, we
0: could talk live edge tables and above ground pools all, all day. day. I don't think that's yeah. You know, who really cares, right? We've we probably we lost do. anybody who might have listened at this point. No, because we were just we were going on and that too much. No, we, we may have the, we may have the lost topic. the
1: and, yeah. We may have lost the people that are below ground pool people, but the above ground pool folks they are yep. with us 100. Sticking it they out, are just they're hanging, in. they're on every all word, in every word. <laughs> so, so yeah. Yep. not you kick us off, absolutely. Well,
0: yeah, so 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 you know we we kind of go back and forth about what we want to talk about every week, how it relates to the the pandemic and our perspective on the best pandemic ever. Jared and I have talked a lot about the uh, the decline of critical thinking and how one of we think one of the positive outcomes of the pandemic is that it creates a an opportunity for critical thinking to make a comeback, um, and I think. Before we get into why we think that is, we probably owe it to anybody who's listening to explain why we think it's declined. Because in order for anything to have a comeback, it's got to have had some kind of fall, right? Um, And so we probably ought to give a little perspective on, you know, how how do we validate this idea that critical thinking isn't as prevalent or as common as it used to be?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, this, I think, one indicator of that is that uh, if you bring up this point to anybody, nobody's going to argue with you. I have yet to have anybody go, no, critical thinking is is still a very big part of our society. A lot of people are like, well, what exactly Mm. do you mean by critical thinking? Yeah, I've never really thought about that. (laughs) I mean, it's it's just been, uh, I I think that critical thinking has been uh, thrown out because it runs counter to uh, our fast-paced, immediate, Instant gratification culture. Critical thinking requires time. It requires pause. Um, it requires you to connect dots that are not right. You know that are not uh, obvious and be able to uh, better understand context, which is something that a lot of people are not very interested in. It requires you to have a uh, and patience, patience, big patience, big time. Yeah, you know, critical thinking is really about having a, a holistic view, a big picture understanding of where we are today, where we've come from and what that means for us going forward. Critical thinking lacks in our society because we're focused on the immediate, the next tweet, the next outrage, the next, uh, you know, whatever it might be the next headline. This is why it has to come back, especially because we are in the midst of, we are in an opportunity where real change can be enacted. But what we're lacking is, uh, obviously critical thinking but we're also lacking humility in a number of ways we're lacking humility direction and uh, a recognition that this is something that we all have to come around together otherwise none of us are going to move forward
0: so you you know i am i am especially um fond of the notion that I can only validate the things that I see in front of me, right? So I don't like to speculate wildly. Uh, and I, and I, I like to think that that is a characteristic of critical thinking. I, I, I don't wanna just assume that what I'm told or shown or fed is an actual fact, right? So, and I, and I say that to validate what I'm about, you know, how I, the reason that I think critical thinking is uh, not as common as it, as it used to be. And it's because in my day-to-day interaction, I am often surprised by very people that I know to be or perceive to be very intelligent who make assumptions based on information that's fed to them that I know to be fallacious. I know it is incorrect or I know that they should know it's incorrect. And I'll give you an example. Um, when, uh, when the, the, unrest or the protests or the, you know, current civil discord, whatever you want to call it. However, we're going to characterize that in, you know, in our own little ecosystem between you and I. But when that all started, um, you know, there was there was a uh, there was a I'll call it a rumor. There's a rumor going around that the local academy sports and for anybody who doesn't have an academy sports, it's just a big it's just yeah. a big sports box store like any other ones. Right. Um, yeah. So the local academy of sports had been broken into and they had stolen all the guns And these were smart people telling me this. These are people that I know are not, they're not dummies, you know, but they took that as fact. And so as I am prone to do, I tried to validate that information on my own and it just so happened that my wife had been at Academy Sports that day, that same day. And I said, hey, did you notice anything going on at Academy Sports? And she said, "Well, yeah, they had some sign up about." I said, "I think I asked her specifically anything about guns or being broken." She Said, "Yeah, they actually they had a sign up that said, you know, they were limiting the number of guns, uh, you know, one, you know, one per, um, and the number and the amount of ammo, and, and that was it. That that was the yeah. totality of the of what was actually happening there. It was a, a it was a marketing move essentially, so that they could serve as many customers as possible. Yeah, maybe they could make some, you know, some virtuistic." You know, claim that they were trying to stem some violent... T- that's bullshit. Well, hold on, wait, a minute. You know, You're that telling was, they me that just it, lit- there
1: was no break in?
0: That was completely made. There was of. no break in. There was no break in. No guns were stolen. But my point in that is, and you know, and we see that, and you and I talk about this all the time. We see that over and over, over and over again. Really smart people who just take the information that's thrown at them, um, and the, and I think there's a reason for that. And I think the reason for that is human beings are not designed or capable of processing information at the volume and velocity at which it is now delivered so I think it's understandable why people come to those assumptions because you just can't process that information. Like you said, it takes humility. It takes patience. It takes time. You have to connect dots. You have to stop and you have to stop and be willing to question it. And how are you willing to question it when the next piece of information is 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 crashing over you like a wave.
1: Right. Right.
0: So the system is designed to discourage maybe not by design, but it's designed to discourage that kind of thing. And I think, you know, another reason why this is the best pandemic ever is because now we've got a little bit of time. True, there's a lot of information coming at us at the same volume and velocity as always, but now at least we have a little bit of time to step back and say, "Huh, that doesn't sound right." And now I've got the latitude to maybe take the next step and, and figure out whether or not it is right. Because to me, that's the that is the the absolute bedrock of critical thinking is the is the is the moment in time when you have the ability and wherewithal to say huh that doesn't sound right and then you're going to then then you're going to be spurred out to take the next step
1: yeah absolutely well i think it you know when you're talking about whether or not it's by design that uh, that critical thinking is discouraged i would say that it's you know I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that there are people sitting in the back you know in a back room somewhere thinking Hey, great, we need to go ahead and make sure that uh, everything that we do discourages critical thinking with those exact words. But what I do recognize is that uh, um, the, the lack of critical thinking in the way that information is presented to us is primarily, well, it's done to generate an emotional response. And emotions are not bad, but emotions are the things that cloud critical thinking rational decisions, logical decisions, Uh, you know, when when you, everything that we see right now is highly charged, hypersensitive, um, very emotional, because that's what gets us to react. And we want people to take action, but we want it to be pro action, right? We don't want to be reaction. We want people to be thinking ahead so that they're making better decisions, slowing down so that they can move forward at a much uh, greater distance than the way that we're doing right now. So, information is passed along to us and it's designed to generate an emotional response. So, you're, you know, the story about Academy Sports, we see this kind of stuff all the time. Uh, but uh, yeah, if Academy Sports put it out, then that's just, you know, that's a pretty you know, sneaky little play. If somebody else was talking about it and somebody else told somebody else about it, and the way that it was interpreted was that, oh, Academy Sports got broken into and all the guns are stolen. Uh, that's designed to create that emotional response. That oh, great! A bunch of people out there have got guns. Uh, I need to go get my gun. You know, it just creates this. Now we need to hunker down and get ready for battle. Right? That's the emotional response well, that it like, generates, which shuts down the critical thinking yeah, that, part of our brains.
0: Right, but it's 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 an unremarkable phenomenon. It's the same as what's the game? What's the name of the game where you have a line of people, you whisper something in the yeah. first person's ear, and it goes, "What's the name?" I don't of that know, game? but I know somebody yeah, I was thinking say, about that. Yeah, yeah somebody will figure that's, it out. That's a, that's, a good, yeah, that's a good thing to ask the listening audience to give us the name of that game. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure we'll get some really good responses on that. But it's an unremarkable phenomenon because it's essentially that same thing, except, so in other words, the sign at Academy Sports said, you know, only one gun per customer and this limit on ammunition. That was it, right? Now that and then was whispered in someone in someone's ear and so on and so forth until it turned into rather rapidly, you know, that they had been They got broken into and all the guns stolen. Okay, so that's unremarkable phenomenon, except that it is accelerated by an incentive system that wants that information and and to be rapidly perverted because in that perverse in that perversion of the information, it gets people's attention. And like you said, and I, I think there is something a little pernicious in it, but maybe not deliberately pernicious because anything that the system can do to generate interest then generates revenue right of course and, and, you know what i mean and so i i think i think having a uh, a news and information system that has any dependence on getting people you know generating people's interest so they can stay so they can stay in business i think just exacerbates the the, the problem
1: well what i'd be curious about with that because uh You know, there was limits on ammunition and firearm sales when we started going into lockdown. Not when the protests were happening. I mean, when I went to academies, that's why I was I was joking. It's like you know, nine millimeter ammunition is like toilet paper. You know, that's the real currency, right? Is you get a roll of toilet paper and a box of, you know. Federal ammunition and bam, you were good. You could eat for days, yep. <laughs> right? So it's <laughs> yeah. so you know, Academy of Sports they had they had those restrictions back when things went in lockdown. I know because I mean, I went to go pick some up and it was like oh, only one box here. You well, number one, you couldn't find any. The shelves were bare. You know, you, the only thing you could find was the stuff that nobody really wanted. You know, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, oh, yeah. it's funny because when I went into when I went into a Harris Teeter, which you know, my Harris Teeter is not your Harris right, Teeter. You don't, don't have elk. many times. Yeah, that's right. Jared's Harris Teeter has elk. I live because, in you know, He's out there. By, yeah, he's out there by the by the you know the largest municipality in the state. Um, we do not, however, it was funny because it's like exactly you said. It's like a bunch of stuff that nobody wanted, but you know, like I went in there and it was uh, in the in the meat section. They had linguica. Well, no one knows what that is. I grew up with that stuff. That's a straight up. That's straight up. You know. That's Portuguese filet mignon right there. You know, I mean, straight up Portuguese sausage, like? Uh, so I knew exactly <laughs> what it was. But it's funny, like, it just, because nobody else knows. Like, gold. Where you sit is where you stand. I was like linguisa? We're good. We got plenty of linguisa. Get a couple of peppers and some onions, and, and we're in business. Yeah. But so, 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 so back to you know, back to the uh, to the to the message as it became as it became perverted over time, yeah. and as other things were injected into it. So it begs the questions, you know. Um, how, if you're going to be a critical thinker, if you're going to practice crit- critical thought, then you also have to start to figure out where do you get good, reliable information from. And it is not easy. It really isn't. Right. It's out there for sure, right? Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's definitely hidden amongst a sea of misinformation. Well, And I, I think it's, it's yeah, there.
1: Sure. It's there. We just have to, the thing that people have to, to know how to do, and this is one thing I, I always try to, to emphasize with folks, is uh, always step back and and go to how, like understanding the narratives of where the information is coming from. And it's not, because it's not always as simple as, oh, well, this is from the left, this is from the right. But understanding a publication, understanding who wrote it, not for the sake of saying, aha, caught you, you have bias. No, bias is a human thing. that We all have it it's just part of who we are there's nothing wrong with it the problem happens when we start to allow that bias to to guide us and lead us uh, unchecked that's what gets us into a lot of trouble that's where we are right now so the key is is to encourage people to take the time to ask better questions and say you know every Every story I hear, I I listen with a skeptical ear, not because it's like, oh, that's wrong and this over here is right. That's the problem we get into, and I always want to clarify that, is I'm not saying look for reasons why the story you're listening to is fake or it's not real, because that's not the case. It's just when you listen, listen with an ear to understand there's an agenda, there's a narrative, there's a specific reasons being told this way. And on that note, too, I want to say that this is not a new phenomenon. I mean, even when you go back and let's just you know take the New Testament for example, right? The New Testament, all the the gospels in the New Testament, every single one of those had an agenda. They were agenda written stories, right? They were written to different people at different times.
0: You are just lighting it on fire. I'm burning it up, man. Here we go. Let's go. go.
1: Don't get me started on Paul. That's my guy
0: that's my guy. You were named after my favorite <laughs> apostle.
1: But the point is, is that the point is, is that we have to recognize that agendas have always been there. You know, talk to any biblical scholar, they'll tell you, you know, New Testament scholar, they'll tell you like, no, 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 there was a very specific agenda for this book. You know, Matthew was written, you know, to help people understand a lineage, you know, and John was written to help people, you know, to convince people of this, uh, you know, of the of the trinity and the deity of of jesus right like these are these stories and narratives regardless of what you believe or anything like that they were specific with an agenda so we number one have to understand is that all stories there are no such thing as just the facts that would just be data you know bullet points and who's going to sit there and actually read that unless you're an analyst and even those guys you just don't like to read that either we want story narrative around the facts that's what brings them to life So we have to first recognize that that's always the case, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to be aware of what those stories actually are. Because when you can identify what the stories are from different positions, different motivators, uh, we do this a lot in foresight to understand that, hey, an industry forecast has a built-in inherent bias towards a positive future for the industry no matter what the data says. They'll still say, look, yeah, there's a possibility of X, Y, and Z, but we want to present a positive light on our future which will help keep people excited and engaged and ideally help to generate more revenue for our association or for our industry or whatever it might be that's okay you just have to understand that not take it as here comes the irony as gospel truth right <laughs> so you know, there comes the, so you have to understand that um so when we think about news and information today the dangers that we face is not that, oh man, we need to be better critical thinkers. The dangers that we face is that when we're not critical thinkers, which is what is happening right now, we are wide open for manipulation. We have so many things happening all at once and this divide and conquer mentality that's inside of our own country right now to force us into different camps. Are you on this side or are you on this side? And let's face it, most people aren't in either camp. Right? I mean, how many people do you actually know that are hardcore right wing or hardcore left wing? You know, the annoying kind, the ones that are like, oh, they are they are just zealots for that position. That's what the media shows us all the time. I don't know any of those people.
0: I don't. Well, right. That's because, as we've said, you know, m- most of what you see, most of the information you see, is not representative of what's out in the real world. You commented on, I mean, you misquoted me, as you usually do, this week. I just want to get your attention. But you said, like I always say, turn off the TV, put down your phone, go out. If you want to make the world a better place, go out in it, right? But that's that that exact point. It's like none of that's out there. But I I want to go back to something that you said because I think it's important, which is – you know, you're talking about the importance of understanding that every story or narrative that surrounds a set of facts that we want to understand is how we how we absorb it. And the key is understanding that every one of those things is going to have some kind of agenda or bias, and you need to understand that going in. What's important about that for me is absolutely fundamental to the art of critical thinking, which is that's pretty basic fundamental thing. That's not a hard thing to do. Right. You don't need to be a Harvard PhD or a member of Mensa to have that perspective and approach. And, you know, in the, in the, in the military, um, one of the things we focus on all the time is the fundamentals. Like, you know, when, when, when we train new green berets, what we typically say is we want green berets to be the best at being in the army. In other words, be the best at the fundamentals. Right. And so having really, really, fundamental understandings of common things goes a long way in helping you understand be, helping you critically think as an example i heard neil degrasse tyson once talk about how you debunk in your own mind the idea of flat earth and he talked about some really rudimentary mathematical ge- geometric skills of understanding the height and observation and all that kind of stuff and, and my point in all that is what you just said about understanding the realities behind narratives and what i'm saying about you know just fundamental easy things the point in all that is critical thinking it's it's not hard and it's not something that requires this you know really high level of education or experience it takes a little bit of common sense but everybody possesses the capability yeah. so in 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 all the things that we might say about critical thinking and its demise, what I will say is the capability remains. It oh, yeah. is resident within everybody to do it.
1: Well, and I, to add to that, I would say that uh, more people are starting to tap I'm sorry, into I'm that.
0: Sorry. Except teenagers. Except teenagers. Oh, yeah. I, I got a few examples. I'll get, I'll get back <laughs> to that in a minute. Of Go course. Ahead. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I would say to
1: add to that point as well is that this, uh, this situation, this pandemic where we've had to slow things down, has also, I know for a fact, a number of the conversations with friends and colleagues uh, and just people that where they haven't taken the time to stop and start questioning things in ways that we've done things for so long. You see this even in social media with people you don't know. More people are asking more questions. So we're starting to tap into that critical thinking part of our lives that has been dormant for so long. But it's bumping up against the fear of saying something that could easily be misconstrued and then thrown against you, you know, because of our cancel culture and all this other crap that's out there. But that's the that's the the one thing that keeps critical thought from really taking root is fear. Again, so it goes back to the emotions. Well, I'm afraid to say what I really think because somebody might, you know, uh, take it out of context, or somebody might, you know, you just start reeling off reasons why you shouldn't actually engage that part of your brain and speak up. When the reality is is the vast majority of us are looking for clarity simplicity and the ability to take ownership in the future that we want to create but first we have to have that clear hey guys it's okay like you know we're not gonna be on this hyper sensitive kick where it's uh you know be careful to dot every i and cross every t and you You know, watch your emojis because you may not. You know, it's like all the craziness that stops people from actually thinking. Uh, You know, this was going to say too is is that a lot of the outrage and the hypersensitivity out there is around like we need to change the status quo. Well, nothing keeps status quo in place than when critical thinking people stay silent. And if you are creating an environment where people are afraid to speak up because nothing's ever good enough, nothing's ever right, we didn't go far enough, right? Then nobody's going to do anything and say anything. Guess what? Stays in place status quo. So we have to understand yeah, I mean, that that's that's what you know. It's okay to speak up.
0: Yeah. Well, you know where it's okay to not dot your eyes, not cross your T's, and where there are no emojis in real life, wow. right? Virtual. I I made a note about this for you know what we're going to talk about this week. That virtual reality is virtual, right? And it's funny. Um, I see people talking about, you know, oh, if you believe this, you know, and I, you know, you can expect me to unfriend you or if I stop following you, all this other, you know, all these declarations of, you know, of, of virtue and, and principle and all these kind of things. When was the last time, and this is for anybody listening, not necessarily just to Jared, but I'll ask it to Jared, when was the last time you had one of those heated kind of, you know, acrimonious conversations that you might have online with somebody online that you're actually friends with, right? In other words, do you have those kind of conversations online with your wife or your husband? No. Do you have them with the guy that you play golf with every Sunday? No. You have them with people who are, have the relative anonymity of the virtual space, who you are connected to online, because of the system and how it's created, and you know, for for many good reasons why it exists, but those aren't the real people that you have. You'll never have those kind of conversations with those yeah. people because they're people who you're accountable to in real life, right? You know, emotionally, physically, you know, uh, mentally, spiritually, whatever. Like you, that's where those things don't play. So, so always circling back to my belief that. You know, critical thought has a chance and this idea that the people who are thinking about things and want to engage on difficult topics in real ways, you can't do it in a virtual space. Right. You've got to get out and do it in real space.
1: Not unless you're doing it like this where we're talking back and forth and it's an open discussion because, yeah, it's just, you know, if, if I see somebody who I know and respect post something that's absolutely ridiculous, I, I'd call him up. Or I, or I say, you know what, maybe they're just having a bad day. And that was idiotic. Yeah. Maybe they're just having a bad day. You know, if you see somebody post clear, so this is the thing that drives me nuts as well on this same front is that these, these conflicts are usually started because somebody is peddling another narrative that's not their own they think it is because they've fallen into that trap they've been manipulated into and i mean manipulated not like oh i've been brainwashed although that's a possibility you know as well but they've been they've identified with a certain narrative from a certain side of the aisle and they follow that narrative to whatever end that it takes them because it starts to help the world make sense. That's why narratives are powerful that are created and neatly packaged. It gives you a definition for why the world is the way it is and where it's going and why you should be concerned and why the other folks are to blame. That's the danger that we run into. So when I see really smart people that I respect post, say, like a news story or a screenshot of something from Fox News or from MSNBC immediately, I'm just like, oh, you're a pawn, dude don't do that don't do that
0: i'm surprised and i'm surprised and that's why you know that's That's what starts the fights you know (laughs) yeah well at the top at the you know at at the top of the podcast I, i said well here's why i think critical thinking is you know is currently in decline is because of that very example i see really smart people that and they'll post a headline that will you know that will that reinforces their beliefs and they don't acknowledge, or they don't recognize, that all they're doing is reinforcing their own beliefs. And every once in a while, it's incredibly rare now, but every once in a while, I will go into, I will look at the article because, as God is my witness, nine times out of ten, if you scroll down through the article, it doesn't even reinforce what the headline says. Oh, of course not, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. And I had made that note on, I had made that note on our, on our, on our outline. But we're going to talk about how headlines have become a substitute for facts yeah right and you know and that 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 reality and how it is diminishing critical thought because people tri- they don't need i don't know it's I, I i don't want to characterize it as laziness but um you know they don't make that effort to actually and, and, and every once in a while i want to write back and i never do because it's because I don't believe that that's any that you never accomplish anything in those conversations mm-hmm. online. But every once in a while, I just want to write back and say, "Hey, did you did you actually read this article? Because it says this other thing." I'll tell you that, and we talked about this. We've already talked about this last week, but we talked a lot about the whole defund the police movement and what you know how that narrative got really messed up and how reform is required and how they really they really they really polarized the argument right off the bat by saying it that way. But there was an article about defunding about no about. Uh, might have been about defunding Minneapolis police or disassembly, whatever it was? And if you look down in the article, it talks about how you know they're not talking about really doing substantive change for a couple of years. I mean, there's so my point right. is somewhere in the real world, there's there's a rational approach that they're having a rational discussion, but it's all lost if you don't take the extra step to step back and, like we say, take that simple step that anybody can do and say, huh that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Instead of just automatically letting it reinforce what you already believe or just, you know, or just believing it on its face.
1: Well, so so let's jump out of the weeds and go big picture here real quick because I want to and if you're not able to talk about this, then of course we won't. But one so in my training, is this
0: going to be about my, my doctor's appointment last week because I told you we were going to talk about that. No, that's that's going to be
1: for that's like a special. That's only for those <laughs> who are patrons. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, who spend, yeah, yeah, Who yeah, pay yeah. us for this? Yeah, you you got to have, a, you you have mean, a stomach for that conversation. You mean your spa yeah, day? As you cleverly yeah. texted back to me, yes. spa day is yeah, spa days great. I take one of these once a week. Yep. So Yep. yeah, <laughs> but, but the. Um, so this is the way I've described what's been going on in our country really since 2008, the end of the Bush era and into the Obama era and where we are now. This is when you really started, or maybe it's just when I started to notice the hyper-partisanship really start to heat up. Um, but in, uh, in my field, in strategic foresight, and as I've shared with some people here to help people understand this, is that what I've been trained for in my graduate program and when we were, you know, when I was in... Uh, grad school and going through this and learning all this, I was one of, maybe I was one of two out of 10 people in our graduate program who did not come from the State Department or Think Tank or you know one of the uh, military intelligence uh, organizations and did not go back either. So there's maybe two of us that were in the private sector. And uh, one of the things that became really clear is that what's been going on in our country and all the way up until today, I said... What we're witnessing right now is that this is psychological operations 101. This is what we've done for decades in foreign policy to to disrupt civil societies or what we maybe, you know, uh, in America or our our foreign policy might say, well, this is not a civil society. We, you know, we have American interests to protect in South America or overseas. And so we start to create a strategy of information that divides and creates chaos inside of the population so that they're much more easily taken over or that the United States can prop up or back a uh, pro-American government, right? Now, I don't say all this because I'm like, oh, this is not about to be a commentary on uh, foreign policy, but this is more about a tactic and a technique to soften the ground before uh, injecting a certain type of um, uh, omission, if you will, right? If we want to have greater influence over a region we start by creating a mental game a psychological operation right um this is what i see going on in our country and have been is that it's a divide the the, and i think i heard somebody say the other day that the whole concept of divide and conquer was a nazi saying and if that is the case see that's an example like i did not know that we hear divide and conquer all the time but the but the reality is is that's what it does if you can divide people into different camps, then you have no unity. That means there's no unified front to push back against, and there's no leader, and there's no, and it's just chaos. Well, then who do you follow? It's much easier to manipulate and control a society when they have no shared vision or narrative. Um, so the reason I wanted to ask you about that is that uh, being in special operations, I mean, you guys, you know, see that kind of stuff happen all the time, good and bad. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you think that that's what's been going on here? And I'm not talking about from like an outside force. Sometimes we're just doing it uh, carelessly to ourselves because of the almighty dollar and how we're incentivized.
0: Yeah, uh, 100%. I mean, you're right. I, I would have, I would have ventured to guess that the, uh, and before you even said it, I was going to say, yeah, man, the cliche divide and conquer didn't come from nowhere, right? I, I would have guessed it was much more ancient than the yeah. 1940s yeah well that's right? the things,
1: misquoted things you know i misquoted you the other day but we get these things that are attributed to people i'm like is that really where that comes from <laughs> that shows right. you how, like, how uninformed but, we are but,
0: but wherever wherever its origin it's you know the reality is absolutely 100 correct and i and and again i would agree with you that that is happening i just don't know that it's it's intentionally happening, right. I, you know, and, and and the reason I say that is because it seems to me that a lot of what is going on right now is essentially leaderless and has no focus. I I don't really know what the arguments are, what people want, so that I can consider them in a reasonable way. Um, I mean, I've come to my own conclusions, but I think. That that division is absolutely happening, but I don't think it's intentional. I think it's accidental, um, and so I, so that gives me a little bit of hope. I mean, always you know we're always looking. I mean, we named this podcast in a very positive way because we're always trying to look at the potential positive outcomes of things, right? Um, and also looking at the or at least arguing against the presumed malevolence of many things, right? Where a lot of things just become what they are. Um, out of, you know, out of for relatively benign reasons at first, because people just don't realize what's happening. But I, I, I I agree with you. I, I think that that is happening. I just don't know that it's, that it's deliberate. Um, Yeah.
1: I mean, maybe not like on a national scale, right? Like somebody's behind a back wall saying, here's how we're going
0: to do this and manipulate this and create the situation. They're definitely, well, you know, uh, you know, in the, in the spaces that I, the, the social circles that I run are very national security heavy, obviously, yeah. very intelligence heavy, and and a lot of people are making the argument that 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 there is an outside influence that is fomenting that division and accelerating it. Now, again, as a in 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 a uh, as a practice of critical thinking, I got to stop back and say, okay, well, let's think about that. You know, and some of that evidence is inaccessible to most people. Right. Yeah. If you were going to demonstrate evidence yeah, to of that kind of thing happening. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, literally like to yeah. figure that kind of stuff out. You know, there are, there are departments and agencies that, 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 that work on that specifically. So I wouldn't even have access to that unless I was involved in that program, you know, specific program. Right. Yeah. But there are people who are making that argument for sure that that's, you know, that there is an outside, there is outside influence and, and, and we're naive to not recognize Absolutely. it. And, and all
1: totally. That. Yeah. And I, and I would say this too, as well, is that, um, I think we hear that narrative more often is like, it's either, oh, it's it's full-blown. There is this highly coordinated, organized conspiracy that is going on that, let's be honest, most conspiracy theories around the government, number one, because <laughs> a lot of them are built based on scenario planning and the things that we've seen. You know, this is what we've been trained to do and to, to build out stories about where the future might want really to go. Like, oh, see, look, this has been a, a plan over decades that the government's put in place I say, number one, you're giving the government way too much credit. They're not that smart. Way, way, way way, way too, too, too much way credit. Too I say, much. but good on you for connecting dots, whether they're wrong or right. You know, that's a good exercise. The other thing is this that I do want to say is that uh, critical thinking is also about knowing how to connect those dots in a way and be able to backtrack and say, look, here's the evidence for this. Uh, here's how we see these things connected. Asking the question of, uh, you know, the old adage, follow the money, right? When you say, why are we making decisions that seem to be moving against the interest of the public? constantly, then you have to step back and say, well, follow the money. Who is at risk of losing here? Who wins and who loses? We get back to basics here. Who wins and who loses? And that starts to give you a direction to look in. I'm never one of these folks uh, that thinks like, oh yeah, no, anybody who thinks that there's a conspiracy or that there's this nefarious activity going on, they're all just crazy. I hear people say that all the time. And I think you're ignorant. I said, if you know how, you know, cause you obviously know being in special operations, I know in my line of work, it's like, we have to go look for these things and be able to see, look, here's how the world might be unfolding over the next 10, 15, 20 years and why we see you know patterns emerging that we've seen throughout history understanding the different cultures and different regions and why and how they make decisions and how if certain things start to happen then those decisions could quickly be accelerated into a reactive state that could kick off a, a war over here like you have to know how to connect all of that stuff to envision possibilities so we're not the only ones who know how to think that way there are very smart people that are paid in intelligence all around the world, who realize that we can manip- people are easily manipulated. We can go in, and if we just understand how a few of these things work, we can change the perspective and change the social fabric of a country, a group of people, of a region, and it doesn't take that much work. This is what happened. I mean, look, history, right? The overthrow of, uh, of the Shah in Iran, right? The whole, you know, the whole Islamic revolution and what was it, 1975, 76? Yeah. It's all documented, right? We went in there. It was a CIA operation. This is not, a, like, it is documented, declassified. This is what we did. And the CIA was absolutely blown away how easy it was to overthrow their democratically elected leader and place in somebody who is more friendly to uh, the British Petroleum Company. I'm getting some of these details wrong here. We had to pull these things up. But that's how we did. So what we see happening, I do think that there are outside influences for sure. But instead of using that to say, well, Russia's doing this or China's doing that, it's like, of course, we're all doing that everywhere. We've been doing this for years. This is why critical thinking is required of us, especially if it comes to the future, not just for ourselves, but the future of our country. I do think we are at a crisis point as well, right? Is that if we are not, if we're asleep at the wheel as citizens, we are going to give up a lot of things that we value and take for granted right now. And as you and I both know, and as many people know who pay attention to these things, once power and authority is granted to whoever, they don't want to give it up. Right? When you can start to put mm-hmm. in rules and regulations, this whole thing we talked about over one of our shows that I don't think we actually put out, but it's about the Patriot Act. It's intent. Mm-hmm. It's still here today. But it's purpose. You know, I mean, we don't have to go all in that, but it's like it has had wide sweeping impacts on our civil liberties and all kinds of things have happened out of 9-11 that, you know, Again, we just, we give up a lot when we're not engaged. Does it mean that it's always nefarious? No. But it means that look, we have to ask better questions. We have to think more critically. And if we decide, if we opt out of that part of the conversation for ourselves, for the world, for, you know, for anything, that's on us. We're opting out of our own and we're opting into somebody else's.
0: You know, I'd like to go, I'd like to be able to go back in time. And find somebody from a hundred years ago and kind of ask them, you know, their perspective on the state of the world and, and where we're headed and, and see if they'll, you know, and, and be able to bring them here and have them look around and, and see what they would say. And, you know, cause I, I, I have to imagine they, they'd probably say something along the lines of, eh, that's not that bad. It used to be a lot worse, man. You know, yeah. like, so, and, and my, my point in yeah. that is that, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't. Know that I don't believe that our situation is dire at all. No, no. Because I go back to I go back to what I you know what I always say. When I'm out in the world, look, I had a friend of mine went down to the county courthouse to renew his concealable carry license. He went down there. Just got mine in the and, mail. <laughs> yep. He went down there and and noted that and this was this was literally like like a week ago, right? Yeah. So things were pretty hot. Yeah. Went down there to the county courthouse and there were. Predominantly African Americans down there, mm-hmm. um, and you could talk about you, you know communities and and history and crap, all that kind of stuff. But the point was, he went down there, he walked in, did his business. On his way out, he walked you know in and among all these people who, by the by the standard narrative that's being thrown at you, should have essentially you know surrounded him, challenged him, and you know what his experience was pleasant hey good morning how you doing it everything was fine imagine that people you know I mean?
1: talking to people
0: yeah yeah yep and so and so I think you know now is a good time for people to uh, to reinvest in critical thinking because they have the time to do it the tools are out there and it turns out it's really not that hard to do it takes a moment of pause a little bit of acknowledgement that, you know, we don't know everything yeah. um, and a little bit of understanding of how things kind of work and you can really go from just being someone who consumes information that's thrown at you and allowing it to think for you to being someone who stops, thinks through it and comes up with a more rational objective perspective. And we didn't really talk about the importance of objectivity and all that kind of stuff, but I mean, I think they go hand in hand. So, well, of course.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's uh it, the most liberating thing is exercising your ability to think critically right I mean um hundred percent George Orwell's book wouldn't have been so popular had that not been the case you know the thought police is a real thing that I think we're experiencing today again I'm not somebody who is a dire i I'm very optimistic I'm an optimistic futurist right I used to say when I was uh in my graduate program first getting into this field one clear thing came to me I said um, you have two options when you start learning how the world works and getting into foresight and these tools and understanding the philosophies and ideas behind it and how it's used to create change and whatnot. I said, you can, uh, because you start to learn how to spot things that other people aren't seeing. I said, you can either one become a raging alcoholic or number two, uh, become an eternal optimist. I said, those are your only two options really,
0: you know, Well, let's not not automatically assume that they're mutually exclusive.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, I've never even thought about that. See, that's critical thinking right there. You've just introduced a third third element. (laughs) There's no reason why they have to be one or the other. Exactly right. That goes against the whole philosophy of force. It's like, well, it's never either or. It's an and both. Oh, oh, come on.
0: so on that so on that note of potential options between uh you know between being an optimist or an alcoholic why don't you uh why don't you take us home
1: all right here we go excellent yeah so uh, as always how do you how do you recover from that one uh as always thank you for listening to the show if you have not subscribed please do so and of course uh please send this on to your friends your family Uh, your enemies really just anybody go ahead and post this on social media let's do that so we've been talking a lot of trash about social media but it's still a really good and powerful tool and it might be where you have found us so definitely why don't you go ahead and share this go ahead we'll wait we'll give you like five seconds go ahead
0: thanks for stopping by we'll see you (laughs) next week all right see ya